losing. <laughs> All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Gun. DJ Nubis. DJ Neko. With you, a Mail Time Radio the Podcast, brand new episode of Hordes of Chaos. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, uh, we had Valentine's Day yesterday. Celebrated nicely. Uh, it was great to be home because I, I think it's been two Valentine's Days that I haven't been home. Um, and we don't usually make a huge deal about it. Uh, but on the flip side, I wasn't home for Halloween, Thanksgiving, my birthday, Christmas, Christmas New Year's. So because I was home, we Anubis decided to make it special for me. And he had a big plan and a big surprise. I um to dick in a bag. No, okay, it so was actually. It was a very nice present. But we won't get into that. What we will get into is when I came home from work on Friday, I've been training and I've been stressed out. You know, I'm always putting excess stress on myself. And he had a lovely bubble bath prepared for me with different uh, oils and a bath bomb and my my tub like the water was actually pink from the uh, from the stuff and he had candles around mm-hmm. and I had a glass of wine read a magazine and just chilled out it was like the nicest surprise to come home to after a long week of work it was just great but that was not the only surprise now but there's more but there's more not getting into our private life so you're not going to get any of that you pervs but we um anubis and i we don't really like make big deals about things like there's normally not any big surprises and 
again, because we are away from each other so much, he really wanted to do something sweet, so he had arranged mm -hmm. for us to go to a comedy show, and it was really great. It was by Die Laughing Productions at Magoobie's Joke House here in Baltimore, and it was called Love and Marriage and Murder, so it was a comedy murder mystery, and it was just hysterical. It's completely up our alley. We love we love com comedians and, and comedy and silly comedy, too. Well, that was like the second time we've been there, so both times we've been pretty pleasantly happy with the results. The comedians that they have. And this was like a special production for Valentine's Day. Two shows, both sold out. They were running way behind. Thank God that there was a, a little bar that is attached to the um, actual theater so we could hang out in the bar. But... I, I guess they were about an hour late letting people in, and it was freezing. Yeah, that was, that was, well, luckily we were able to hang out inside a little bit on the side where the bar is, not having to sit through all that. We already had arranged seating, so there wasn't any issue with that. Yeah, he actually got us, because sometimes at these shows, especially when they get sold out like this, if you are... Uh, only two people like us if you don't pay for a private table sometimes they'll sit people well, at, that, at your table with you yeah but like even some of the general audience like they were only left with like if you're in the back of the line you're going to get what you get like people up front are going to get the best seats and all this other stuff so and that's that was the only downside we were the first people there but because we were not standing out in that line for two hours we decided that it's fine wherever we sat and the way the seating was arranged it's like stadium seating so even though we were in the back we we had a good view of everything it was pretty fun yeah it was a good show i enjoyed it a lot. i did too and it was just nice being with you for something you know it's been so long since we've been together for something i mean we were lucky that we got to do super bowl together this year too because last year I was away for Super Bowl, and... The Super Bowl sucks, so... I know, I know. We're not going to get into that again. But <laughs> it's... Fuck the Chiefs. It just, it was nice to be with you, and it was... You just put so much thought into everything to be with me and to make me happy. I love you. I love you, too. Aww. All right. So All right. today, we're going to get some new shit out to you. We're going to kick off this first block, Dark Usurper, Mortal Dissonance. We'll be back in a little bit.
called Raven and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Oh yeah! We back. <laughs> we back in black. Are we? <laughs> uh, I'm wearing black. I'm black. Yeah, half you're, black. You're wearing half black. I'm like a mime. <laughs> or Oreo cookie. You're weird. I know. Fucking retarded nerd. Big nerd. Alright. So, uh, last episode we were kind of talking about <laughs> You know, some of our guilty pleasures with music-wise, and then, you know, you were thinking maybe interesting to talk about some of our guilty pleasures with movies, which is a good topic, because, uh... We watch a lot of movies together. You were kind of busting my balls the other night, because I ended up getting the triple pack of the Sinbad movies from the, like, what was it, late 60s? Late, late 50s to late 70s. So... But yeah. you have to you have to tell them why these particular Sinbad because there's other Sinbad movies, but these were done by um, what's the guy's name? Well, yeah, they're not directed. Uh, Ray Harryhausen, I I pronounced his name wrong, I know, but uh, he does all like all the stop animation of the like monsters and stuff from Sinbad movies to uh, Clash of the Titans, uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Pounds, all that stuff back in that time period. And that was the shit. You gotta think, Valley, you know, there's Valley no... Valley Gwangi and all that stuff, so... There's no, uh, what do you call it, CGI? Right, and, and the stop-motion stuff is just incredible. I mean, I remember watching the doc on him and how, like, time-consuming it would be to do stuff like that. But it paid off tremendously, like, in so many of those films, and so... Especially, like, in the battles and stuff, like, mm-hmm. uh, that one, um the one goddess with all the arms and she mm-hmm. had six swords and mm-hmm. that was pretty wild and like literally for those fight scenes he would have to sit there frame by frame moving the arm moving the arm so it's just like a series of just motions alone so it it took so much time to do a lot of stuff but it was just so wonderfully done like cgi really can't match it in that way and that's one of the things we talked about with like some of these older horror films like Howling and all that where they use the real effects and the makeup right like you go from the Howling to say Cursed and like Cursed use a lot of CGI it's just not the same thing I mean you can have a pretty decent movie but the transformations alone are worth the price of admission the thing Mm -hmm. all that stuff is just it's so much better when they can get a little more creative like that uh but so yeah Sinbad movies were some of my guilty pleasures and then I was talking with uh fat samurai guy because he had posted about these series of movies uh, called um, Bloodstone subspecies movies they're really really bad but like for whatever reason we continue to watch them because we're just entertained by how bad they are or whatever so what what are some of the ones that you can recall that you're uh, guilty pleasures of I know that's one, one for you and I both is grandma's boy mm-hmm. and it kind of came along at a really interesting time in our lives because it was right after you finished college and you were working as a video game tester and 
we were gray bush yeah it's a, he was the gray bush he's like the oldest game tester at this place and we um we were just scrolling through the channel guide and we see this movie and it's about uh you know 35 year old video game tester i'm like oh my god this is you and it's his to us it's hysterical we think it's We'll Most people I talk to find it hysterical. There's occasionally people that just don't really get it, but I guess for us it was a little bit more of an inside joke. Because <laughs> we were like, it's you. It's you. That's it you. really is you. So we'll, we'll, you and I will watch that anytime it's on and just kind of giggle and me. But that's more of like a cult classic now. I mean, if you had like, what is a really bad, like another movie I would say would fit this would be Airborne. Mm-hmm. So... It's really bad. It's just one of those teeny movies, but like from the '90s. But it had like a young Jack Black, a young Seth Green, and it's just so fucking corny. But if it comes on, I will sit there. And oh watch yeah, that Empire shit. Records. I. It's just there's so many like, for me. Game plan. Yeah, the game plan with The Rock. Mm-hmm. Oh, hysterical! I love it, and it's a Disney movie. So I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but. Well, again, it's, it's a children's movie, and we watch. But, but it's not like a cinematic excellence or anything, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that when you watch it, you're just in love with it. For me, there's a lot of stupid girly movies that I watch all the time that are really guilty pleasures that made zero money at the box office, like uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic. I'll watch that over and over. And it's not even really that great, but, you know, it... it the, it's the girl is funny. She's addicted to shopping. The clothes are great. Same thing with um, Sweet Home Alabama. I love that movie. And again, it's not. There's nothing great going on. It's just a romantic comedy, and I really enjoy it. You'll get a kick out of this. Uh, I was talking with some other people about the Oscars and the movies that won. Like this year was um, was it? It was all uh, Parasite. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet, have you? No. Uh, Joker was in the list, of course. I think that's the one I probably would have chosen out of the group. But I went back and looked to see all the nominees plus who won and whether or not I agreed. There was like three years that none of the movies I'd seen nor did I really care about. So it wasn't like there was anything in the list that I would say, oh, okay, yeah, that was really great. Mm -hmm. There was two two occasions where I agreed with the winner. One was The Departed. Of course. And the other was Gladiator in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, ironically, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, is that in 2002, there were a few decent movies in there, but I think if I would have chosen one, the one I mentioned to people was Moulin Rouge, <laughs> which almost never happens with, with those kind of films. But if I had to choose like a winner from that year, it would have been... Uh, Love Moulin Rouge. But... Uh, so in some ways that's a guilty pleasure too because even though I haven't really gone back and watched in a while we do own it mm-hmm. um, and I did enjoy it so when it comes to musicals I'm not the biggest fan but that was one that kind of stuck out to me at the time it was a little bit modern, modernized with the songs and all that other stuff so it was a lot of fun I, I love Moulin Rouge I think it's the best thing ever yeah, I was just thinking, because, like, all the Oscars... I went back to, like, 2000, but... You know, I found other years where I found a movie in the list that I liked more than what won, but... Like, I, what was it? Uh, I think... 
it was like a DiCaprio film. It wasn't a party or anything like that. It was another movie. The bear fucking one? No, because I think he got a lot of uh, accolades for that one. Didn't win, but it, like people were saying that should have won. But there was another film he did that before that that said they said he should have won for or did win for. I can't remember which one. Inception. No. Maybe it was Inception. No, because I would have agreed with that one. No, it might have been in the list. Uh, but either way, it was it was an interesting topic to look at. It's always interesting to see. Like I I don't know enough about the Oscars or how winners are picked or anything like that. So for me, I'm like. I'm just going by my opinion, and I mean, I've never seen... Parasite won a lot of things, and I'm like, I, I don't... I haven't seen it yet, but I, it's it's a Korean movie, right? Yeah, it's subtitled, so... Yeah, you'll never watch it. I, 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 I watch those more than you do. Please. I do. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, subtitles? Oh, God. No, that's I, you. I, no. I only say no when, like, I know I'm not going to be able to pay attention the entire time. <laughs> Because some people had said, like, who'd seen Parasite, they're like, you know, I enjoyed it, but I probably would have enjoyed it more if I didn't have to sit there and speed read along with it. So, I think some people are like, well, I gotta go back and, like, rewatch it, and then this way I kind of have an idea of what's going on or whatever. But a lot of people said it was really good. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? For me, too, and I don't, I mean, I don't know if this would fall under yeah, it would fall under guilty pleasures but we love kung fu movies mm. and we'll watch the same ones over and over again and they're all the same somebody's family member dies and they're seeking revenge and then there's a big conflict and then one family's fighting against another family and then it just ends the end the end like he kills him he falls on the ground it's like shake hands let's go we're done I love it the abrupt end. And of course Godzilla. I mean, oh. that that's... Oh. Oh. I love Godzilla. We love Godzilla. We love the giant monster movies. And it's like... I'll spend all day watching Godzilla. We have. We There was a monster movie marathon on uh, probably Turner Classic me- Movies. And we're like, oh, looks like we're getting nothing done today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Godzilla? Okay, yeah. fuck the house. We're going to sit down and just watch this all day. So, I mean... Movies are a great way to just escape. Like, you know, there's not a whole lot to do. Well, the funny thing is you can enjoy, like, really good movies. So, Take Inception, Departed, or any, like... Like, I like Spy Game a lot. It's a really good movie. I do, too, with Robert Redford and uh, Brad Brad Pitt. I really like that movie. So, I might not watch those as often, but, like... These guilty pleasure movies, I'll, I'll rewatch them like nonstop. Like I, I, it's really kind of embarrassing how it's much like I, brain crack. You you just need a little escape from like your when day. I think of Airborne. It just <laughs> I cannot help not watching it every time it comes mm-hmm. on. And I don't care where it is in the film. It could be halfway through it. I'm like I'm watching it. It's just it's so retarded. Like it's good, but that's that's basically what a guilty pleasure is. I mean. Like I was saying before, there's not a whole lot to do when I'm out working on the ship. It's not like I can be like, oh, let's go to the mall. Oh, let's go uh, let's go shopping. Let's go play a game of basketball. There's, we have a gym, and we have movies. And then we can stare at each other all day. That's basically all we get. So and stare at the wall and yeah, watch paint dry? Yeah, or stare at each movies. other, watch movies, 
or go to the gym. And, you know, these guilty pleasures really, like I said, confessions of a shopaholic, sex in the city, that these are not, you know, blockbusters. These are just movies that entertain me and keep me happy so that I don't lose my mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> just so you don't go crazy. Yeah. So, we also wanted to touch on some other interesting news that's been happening. Um, kind of interesting how this all unfolded. Um, well, it's amazing just in the sense that you are surprised that this kind of shit happens this, this day and age. Like, you know, we kind of thought we were kind of past a lot of this stupid shit. Uh, I'll let you explain what happened in a minute, but just it blows my mind that we're at this stage almost three decades later from the original shit that happened and then like more than three decades you got to think because i'm almost well, early, 40 and early then the, 90s so yeah but i'm talking about so basically what happened in louisiana a man named holden matthews was uh setting fire to predominantly black baptist church churches in louisiana so like he was doing it all in the name of metal and he needed to raise his profile yeah, as he called it he needed to raise his profile the street cred <laughs> like kind of like what was happening back in the 90s with the churches burning in norway and for them though it was always about political and religious reasons like it was always a fight back at because you know what was in norway was there was a lot of religion out there so they were basically pushing back against christianity uh, but, obviously but see with this because being that they're all black churches this is like nazism a hate crime yeah and he's being charged with hate crimes it's it's pretty intense like i don't think he was specifically and he didn't really say and i don't know why but like he he didn't specifically say like he was he said he was copying the crimes committed in Norway. But this is like crimes against African American people. It's kind of crazy. It, it's more like white supremacy more than well, anything. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the problem with some of the, you know, this has been a debate for the last few years is some of the white nationalists or Nazi, uh, worship within black metal so it's like you know even bands who either sing about the history of uh white supremacy or whatever like that or use some of the symbolism without being actual nazis they they take a lot of shit for it because you know they're like you know you have the woke people apparently saying man you don't need to be playing or doing any of that shit you guys suck ass like yeah i'm like but see, this is a difference. He is in a black metal band, and there's a difference between singing about it and this guy, Holden, who is acting on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he says that race wasn't a, a factor and race wasn't a motivation, but these these churches were so old that they were over... All of them that he burned down were over 100 years old. And they were considered... Even before the... Um, you know, 
segregation it was you know eliminated these these churches have been around and were kind of like they were the spiritual homes for you know centru- for for generations basically it's it's just kind of appalling that i don't i honestly I don't know this person, but I I think he just wanted to burn down churches and post pictures on Facebook. Yeah, he's apparently s- stating that he did it for religious reasons, but you know he, he can't ignore the fact that it just having made black churches that he was like setting fire to. So no one was hurt, and and right. no one he he specifically did it when no one was around. But I seriously think he just wanted some attention and put it on to you know to put it on his Facebook and be like, look at me. But again, why just black churches? You know, in, in, especially in, well, in especially in Louisiana. But we're just, we're past all that now. It's like, why even bother with that? Like, I, you know, you're 22, dude. You're an adult. You know, you're not some little kitty. And he's going to be charged federally and um, yeah. by the state. Like, yeah. it's, he's getting charged twice so you just wasted your entire fucking life on stupid fucking shit just because he wanted pictures of of churches burning on his facebook like you know the thing about music is you have the voice as a as a musician and artist to express yourself and your dislike for whatever cause that you feel the need to do or if it's for shock value which we get a lot of in death metal then so be it i'm great i'm fine with all that uh, I don't get my panties in a bunch about white supremacist bands all that much. I don't listen to them all that much. Like, I don't even care about Burzum and Varg and all that. Uh, but I don't care if people want to listen to this shit either. It's just, it doesn't bother me. Like, you know, you, you get bothered by stuff that they do as people. Mm-hmm. So Varg, like Varg is a, as a character is a piece of crap. But, you know, he served his time or whatever. He did his thing. He's still kind of like a racist piece of shit. But, you know, I have really no interest in him. But if he wants to, as a free human, to go and make music for whatever cause he wants and people want to listen to it or buy it, that's their prerogative. I don't care. Dude, Varg is like living off the grid with... Right, and that, you know, Homesteading. <laughs> he is... If you ever watch his, his YouTube channel, it's insane. But, you know, this guy here... When he actually physically goes out and starts doing stupid shit like this, then you just you don't you don't gain any credibility with it. It's fucking stupid. This isn't. I, I just I can't get over how dumb it is. I can't either. You know, and it's like, okay, well, see, in seventy years, when you're an old man, you're wondering why the fuck you did that to begin with. You know, it's like whatever. Uh okay. So it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, luckily, most of the middle family community isn't as dumb as this motherfucker, but the good news is, a lot of us are more smarter than that. And we, as a metal community, we really are just trying to promote, like, we think we're great people. Like, most metal, you go to metal shows, people are friendly and, you know, arms around the shoulders, brotherly love, and... Then you have shit like this that, you know... Well, there's, there's always going to be a tug-of-war between, you know, the rebellious side of heavy metal and just people in general. Like, you know, metal and rock, hard rock, has always been about rebellion against the norms. And so that's always going to be there. And there's going to be different 
approaches to it through the musicians and artists who create that type of music so regardless of where you're coming from from whatever country you know because i mean you get bands from like the middle east you know they they're fighting against fucking their own oppressions mm -hmm. and whatnot so wherever you're coming from it's fine i i support I, i'm not someone's going to censor anybody so if you're a racist piece of shit i'm not going to censor you i don't have to buy your shit and i don't have to endorse you but i'm not going to sit there and cry about it if you make your own music and people want to buy it if that's what they're into then that's what they're into so there's plenty of other bands out there that i do love that are you know even if they're just singing about horror movies or whatever i can enjoy that and not have to worry about all the little political and social bullshit that comes with it you know but it's always going to be there the hot and cold with it so all right so we're going to kick off this next block with a band called sonus modus and um this is one record that actually has made my best of this year called oh. hold this mortal coil uh, in fact, the last couple of weeks have been really good in that fact. Next next episode of Hordes of Chaos, I've got a couple of new tracks coming away from a couple of albums that are added to my best of list, so it's picking up pretty good now. January is kind of quiet, and February is kind of quiet, but we're starting to really kick in the gear now with some great records coming out. So this is Sonus Mortis called My Roads Have Red Veins.
Nations So meant to spy Smooth out the edges To bridge the divide Golden Lake Red Sinks into moral decline This is the process Just pretend it's fine My roads have Red veins My roads have Without in the 
think of Slayer without seeing a pentagram. You know, it's visually, it, it kind of ties you to a certain band, to a certain sound. It's cool, you know, and I don't think any of the people that use them actually want Satan to rule the world.
This is Isaac Goldsmith. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright. DJ Nibis. And DJ Neko, who is lost within our own self. Back with you. Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. New edition of Hordes of Chaos. 2.0. It's like fucking 50.0 now. We got so many episodes out. We're doing so well. Oh, thanks to you all. Yes. Thanks to the fans. We love the support and the love. Even though we don't get a lot of feedback. So from what I'm gathering is with no feedback, means, means we're doing everything perfect. Everyone loves everything we're doing. Oh, honey, I think you're perfect. No, it's not about that. I'm talking about them. Okay. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, we're going to touch a little bit more on the last episode because you had the topic of physical media and how streaming and downloading and all that, how it just... Physical. Well, bas- basically, physical media is, is a dying and it's been dying since the 80s, but... Resurgence. With, it's resurging, yes, with uh, the sale of vinyl being so popular right now and you know even cassettes we were we we have quite a cassette collection i was telling some of the guys that i work with about our cassette collection they're just like why it's just it's, i understand vinyl but i don't understand cassettes and i'm like nostalgia factor you know the people who have the money now are people our age and we're the ones who want the same shit that we had when we were younger and you know being the he and I do not have children. We are our own children, so we can buy whatever the hell that we want. Well, it was interesting because we had that discussion, and then I saw a couple of days later an interview with Derek Green from Sepultura, mm-hmm. and his take on it was basically, you know, streaming technology and, you know, downloading and digital all, like, pretty much wiped out physical stuff like CDs, cassettes, whatever. And although I think he doesn't really notice that it's coming back full force like we do now with like the last couple of years with uh, vinyl and cassettes, he did have great raise a great point about how digital media has actually improved the market of uh, bands because, as we said before, metal doesn't really sell like not like most of the underground doesn't. Um, they all rely on merchandise and touring. And, and support from the fans, like you and know. His point was like you know now, bands can go to uh, countries where once they couldn't go because they couldn't reach their market uh, with the physical stuff. So with digital, you know, countries can hear you now and gain support, and then say, oh, well, we got this many downloads and streaming from you know, but fuck Egypt, you know, so we're gonna tour over there yeah they can they can kind of gauge right what they're you know if, if you're if you're streaming it and and pulling in some good numbers let's say from japan you know we, we've seen bands who basically bankrupt themselves trying to go to japan or australia because just touring like that is is really hard but if you know you've got the numbers and you know you're gonna sell then why not yeah, unlike threatened, like most acts actually have the the support where they're going. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be posing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm going to have a full venue over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, no faded numbers there. Fucked up stats. So uh, that was an interesting thing by Green on that. Like, you know, he had a pretty level head about it, and he says it really now. Most metal bands in the underground are using common sense when it comes to digital media and all that. So. 
they're utilizing it and you know obviously they're still making physical media the cds are still being made but i don't know if it's as strong as it once was like with vinyl and cassette now kind of making a resurgence between people like well just think about how many digital downloads that you've purchased from bands that you would like you know it's it's instantaneous you it's instant gratification you can keep it on your hard drive you can put it on your mp3 player you can right and that's the thing like yeah it's nice to have the cover art and everything but if i'm going to do that with any particular band i'm just going to try to buy like a cassette or vinyl because i know i'm going to play that and i'm trying to like build up that collection again cds are great i still have a shit ton of cds that i have although neko will confirmed that I've sold many of the ones I've had just because I just didn't really listen to them that much or they weren't anything that I felt was worth keeping but the ones that I really do love I still have and occasionally I'll still get a CD here and there whether it's you know a gift from a band or if I go to a show and that's all they have and I really want to listen. I mean you've cut your CD collection down easily by half because you either traded them in for credits so we can get vinyl um, or you sold them or whatever because now because you know cds are digital media and you you can save all your music on a hard drive and kind of you know keep what you really like and keep some of the specials or the re-releases yeah i mean there's still people out there that collect a lot of cds i saw a dude who posted a picture on one of the cd groups that i'm in on facebook and Dude, his, his cave was very nice. Like, it was very laid out. Had, you know, similar to us, has, like, little posters and stuff around. But his collection of shit, like, I, I don't know what else he had at top. It might have been videos. I'm not sure. But his CD collection was huge. Like, it's just pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Um, I probably would still be going in that direction. But I think I'm a little bit more enamored now with vinyl cassettes. Like, the fact that that's come back at all like through and that's one of the positives about social media with facebook and all that as you find these groups that are doing this kind of stuff and i'm like oh yeah i, I got those stolen way back when i can buy them for like three cassettes for like 20 bucks and i'm like happy as a clam because i got some of my old shit back it's not always in mint condition because it's just cassettes is like most of them yeah like they they don't hold up as well as no as and, that's, and that's why i don't really play them that often but then but then you have like like i said the newer bands like skeletal remains their last record uh i got a cassette like it's fucking awesome i just love it so it's cool to have you know so if i'm gonna go with the whole like you know appreciating the art and whatnot i'm gonna get on vinyl or cassette that's pretty good for me i enjoy that so and you, I, you have that really cool cassette holder too that we have in the living room right that you can display. Which I almost need another one, but down the road. Yeah, down the road. Down the road. Down the road. You just got a brand new, it's coming next week, uh, cabinet for all of your DVDs. It's the other thing, too. We are, I know so many people who've gotten rid of all of their DVDs, this physical media. They keep everything, you know, they did, like, basically what you did with our DVD for me for the ship where you rip everything and mm-hmm. put it on a hard drive so that I can have it with me and entertain myself while I'm traveling. That's what a lot of people do. They don't even keep their DVDs anymore. They'll put the movies on a hard drive, connect it to their smart TV. I mean, it's really easy to do. I had a TV in my room on this last trip, plug that bad boy right in, and I can watch every single um, 
movie that noobs had had ripped for me. Yeah, you said you could just plug it into the TV itself. Yeah, so. I didn't even have to plug <clears throat> it on my laptop. And then the, you know, the ship had a server filled with uh, movies, so you could just boom, it's right there. And that's what I see people are doing. You know, putting putting a hard drive and attaching it to their TV so that they can have all their movies like just at their fingertips. We kind of have like a little bit of a. A little bit of both. We like we like our physical media. We still have VHSs upstairs <laughs> in, in in that uh, armoire. Um, I can't even remember when we broke out the VHS for anything. But I, I have like you know old school stuff. Like I literally have Killing Zoe on VHS. Or and you have some things that are on VHS that just never got put on DVD. DVD yeah. Especially like some of the kung fu stuff. It's you know, it was never re-released, or it's like... Well, you did find one for me, which was amazing. You always have a knack for that shit. But, uh, yeah, so, I, like, I'm not even sure about Cradle Phil's um, little home movie they did back in 2000, uh, Cradle of Fear. Like, I had that on VHS when it first came out. It may be on DVD now. I don't think so, but it might be. But just little things like that I still have, which, you know, I won't get rid of, but... Your next... Uh, I don't know what to call it. Task when I leave again, I'm gonna buy that converter for VHS where you can convert it to digital. So you like hook it up, you plug it in to the VHS player, and you hook it up to your computer, and you can um, download the VHS d to make it digital. So you can either burn a DVD or just have it so that you, and that'll be your next task. <laughs> That'll be helpful. Yes. <laughs> it's not expensive, but I, you remember how long it took you to pull all the DVD um, and Blu-rays and put it onto my hard drive? It took you like days and days and days. Well, I actually had to go and get a Blu-ray ripper because mm -hmm. like not everything that I have is built into the computer. So yeah, I had to buy an external drive just to do that. But in order for you to have something to work with while you're out for months on end, it's, it's a worthwhile It is worthwhile. So. And then, like, now if you can do that with all your, not just, you know, VHSs that you like to watch, but even personal ones, like home movies and stuff, make that digital so, you know. Yeah, because you got a lot of stuff that dances and yeah, stuff. Yeah, my old dance recitals, stuff from when I was a baby. I'd, I would like to preserve that digitally so that I have it and, you know, it will be nice. All right, well, we got the uh, rock block coming up soon. Uh, also, a DJ Neko's pick of the week, but we got one more block of some metal before we get to that. Band's called Dehydrated, Cold and Bleeding. Cold and Bleeding.
salute you people of the underworld. I'm Nick from the Greek heavy metal band Accelerator and I want you to rock hard with the Metal Tavern Show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and I hope you hurt your ears listening to a hot brand new album. Hell yeah! Alright, DJ Anubis and DJ Neko back with you. Metal Tavern Radio is a podcast for the chaos. Is that the new theme song? Yeah! <laughs> Getting ready to jump into our rock block. Uh, this week I got some Joe Walsh, some Poison, Black and Blue, Killing Joke, and of course DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. <laughs> Stay tuned to find out what that is. We're going to kick it off though. Some uh, recent stuff by Torch. They had one of my favorite albums of last year. This song's called Extremes of Consciousness.
Do you live life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar. To satisfy your intellectual needs
we're back. That was some black and blue doing sweet action. That's actually the first time I ever heard that song. I didn't hear it from Sweet before that, so I didn't know it was a cover at the time that I heard it. But I used to play that nonstop on my cassette when I was like 14. I yeah. Yeah, so interesting bit of history there with the old noobs. Aw, noobsies. So, okay, your pick of the week is here and arrived. Tell us what you got and why you had it. This week, I chose Jefferson Airplane White Rabbit. Again, mainly because I just love Grace Slick, and I like this band, and I even like when they went Jefferson Starship, but you wouldn't let me play anything Jefferson Starship. We built this city. I love we built this city. <laughs> and we can build this great city. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I love, I love Grace Slick so much. I, I think she's got, like, a... It's a, a unique voice. You know what I mean? And then this song is just so trippy. And I don't know if you've, anybody has ever seen the movie Go Ask Alice. Um, I think it was a TV movie. Um, but it's a, about the dangers of living on the streets and drugs and you're going to die. It, like It's one of those scare tactic t TV movie things that was put out in the 70s. But no big less they played White Rabbit in yes, it. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, in the in the song they said, Go ask Alice. Mm -hmm. So that I, that's kinda wild and the the movie I don't even know when I saw it. I mean it wasn't that long ago. I actually you know, on those apps that we have, just random crap right. shows up and I'm like, ah okay. I do that too. That's how I discover half the fucking shit that I've watched or made you watch. The Gary Newman thing we'll talk about later was one of those things I didn't really expect. I just saw it. I said, yeah, I'm going to it out. It'll be pretty sweet. But it's just, it's good. It's nice classic rock. And again, she, she's just got this really unique voice. And I, I appreciate it. Like, And the fact that they could take a, a 70s sound and kind of remake themselves in the 80s and reimagine themselves yeah it's so i i really i really dig it so this week dj neko's pick of the week is jefferson airplane white rabbit and for those that don't know fucking sanctuary does a sweet cover of that oh well then we'll open next week with that yeah good idea all right here we go attention please Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Patrick from the Canadian Thrash Metal band Reanimator, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nubis and DJ Nelko back with you, Hordes of Chaos on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. So, uh, you came up with a topic. I did. Hold on, let me get back to my... So basically, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, probably like 10 years ago, I guess, tried to start up my own uh, battle vest, because I never really had one growing up or anything, and I always wanted one, but even at the time, I was a bit of a large man, so finding a jacket that would actually fit, and the cost, and everything else, so eventually Neko found one, it was actually a jean jacket that we cut the sleeves off, and then, uh... I started adding patches to it, which I really like now, though, that since I lost all the weight, I uh, want to see if I can try to resize it if I can. i got to figure out how to do that. But I ended up buying uh, another vest, a black one, which I'm transforming into a black and white one, which just with... Only black and white patches. Yeah, so that's a work in progress as well. Got some cool shit on it. But uh, one of the things that Neko brought up was... Like how battle vests and just metal attire has played into the scene, the culture, and you know everything that is heavy metal and its fan base. Really, I mean, if you think about it, it's almost like a collection. You know, you can use your own personality to style your vest any way that you want. Clearly, you have a black one and you have a denim one, but it's about picking out the patches because they look cool or you're picking out the patches that are of bands that you like and finding that oh so important back patch that is going to cover the majority of your of your vest some people like their their patches spaced out other people like them right on top of each other some people you know use contrasting stitching some people put rivets some people do spikes it's just a very interesting um collection and a very individualistic expression that you get to see every time we go out somewhere you know there are people some people even they don't even just do uh battle jackets for metal they'll do battle jackets for anything that they're into like yeah i think a guy last night had like a biker vest and it was sort of probably had like patches like beer and stuff like that you know uh just random stuff so it, it is it is a bit of a way for people to personalize how they are but you know it seems to be its biggest in metal music and there is a great many cool looking vests I see them all the time on social media and when I go to concerts or when I guys get pretty creative with what they're doing even girls as well well think about like the patches that you uh that you do um like you trade for patches you you where we've been searching especially if it's a band that's not like super huge or whatever and they have like a limited edition patch and you have to go and find like oh where am i going to get this patch and i i you know maybe the band broke up or you don't even know where to get it and it's just so it's almost like a scavenger hunt you're you're out there looking for the thing that you want and oh yeah well i mean in some cases with you know, the Facebook groups that I'm a part of, you know, we've had patches made up. Like, Akakaki never had any patches made up, I don't think. I still don't think they make them, but 
there are people that will on the web that will be part of these groups and now you give them an idea or if they have something they made it themselves and you really like it then you know you can purchase them for whatever bit of money it's usually not too bad and usually in pretty good uh shape as far as like you know, i know some people are against screen print also but most of the other stuff is embroidered and whatnot but it, a lot of good stuff out there and you can usually find some now one thing she's talking about with bands not being around anymore. My other jacket, I have a sweet fucking Speedwolf patch that I had. It's from like a pentagram with wolf heads. It's yeah. amazing. But now that the band's no more, and I think they ran out of circulation of that patch, like it's to find it, it's like impossible. So like I wish I had another one because that would have been great on my new jacket. As we well. NC. I I don't sew. I I hot glue all of his patches <laughs> so i know that's probably sacrilege doesn't look bad though she, it doesn't it's not, look bad it's not like it's messy or anything so. no it doesn't look bad it just there's there's no thread you don't even see any thread right. so like in order to get this back patch off i actually tried to melt the glue and in turn it it started messing up the patch a little so i stopped the only way it's going to work is if i actually cut that patch out of that jacket and then put a different back somehow on that other vest and we ended up what did you get a skeletal remains mm -hmm. back patch for the black one yeah yeah i've got that on the back and i've just got a few others that are pretty cool looking i you know i plan to make it look sharp and whatnot uh interestingly enough there's a guy named peter Bestay who's a photographer and i guess he has like a book of decades long of photographs of you know vests and battle vests and whatnot from different communities and uh black metal from norwegian norway and all that stuff and it, the book's called defenders of the faith and obviously it's an ode to the heavy metal culture and every all the personification of the vest and everybody that people wear across so the globe when so. do you think that this this vest thing kind of originated like i mean you see it in punk you see it with I mean even in like it's not always just a vest it could be like a um I really don't know the history but I would if I had to take a guess I would say biker gangs probably were the first but that could be just that's just my theory I like I don't really know any history on that but I you know I think of like Hell's Angels way back in the day I mean you know biker gangs like that were around for a while and they were always known to have you know their own identification mm -hmm. like you think of like a movie like the warriors same kind of fucking thing yeah yeah i uh, mean for us you know <laughs> neck will bust my balls but like for us in high school mm -hmm. as a group of doctors you know mm -hmm. we're all running around in white like robe like things they're with lab our, jackets right and we have all these different identifications mm -hmm. on there mine was uh airbrushed on there and you know, based upon whatever our doctor name was and, you know, what we were into at the time, so. I mean, I'm even seeing, I'm in a Reddit group that I like to follow just for, because I personally don't have a vest. It's, I would never wear it. I would, I would make it and I would never wear it. It's just not really my thing. But I like looking at all the patches and stuff with Anubis and I like this, um, battle jacket, uh, 
Reddit that I belong to because you see people, they'll, like this one I'm looking at right now on, on his vest. He's got a Monomarth, Opeth, Gorgira, White Zombie, Slipknot, uh, Mastodon. So it's like all over the place. And then some people get really creative and they start um, drawing themselves like they'll start painting mm -hmm. it's just like this total individualistic expression that i just think it's so cool honestly like but again i would never i'm not a vest person you know i would never wear it because i just but you'd I, probably do something like a purse or something like that maybe a battle purse yeah i mean you can always get creative and all that stuff different ways mm -hmm. um Obviously, I, and we have we have friends who put them on their shorts. We have people, Herman. He has them all over hats. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I I did shorts a little bit too. Then when you kind of grow out of the shorts, it's a bit of a problem. So you gotta make sure you still fit in that shit. But uh, for a while there, you were putting them on t-shirts for me. Just subtle, polo shirts. Yeah, polo shirts. Just like you know, so like emperor or something. Yeah, like you would have old. Everywhere that he's ever worked, he always was like, he'd have a uniform. And they, they would be really nice polo shirts. And, you know, if he would get a new job, he'd still have all these nice polo style shirts. And they would usually be gray or black. So we would just take a patch and put it right over top uh, whatever logo there was for his old job and it would just it was kind of cool we did that for a little while too and we've actually recovered a few patches that went on shorts or on polo shirts and that we've rearranged and and it's just kind of fun to see that like our old roommate he would spend hours like messing with his his back patches and his different vests he had oh, a leather yeah. one it was a, it was a whole process with him and you know he even at one point had like a Hawaiian shirt for MDF one year and you know he wore it in the pit <laughs> and you know he's kind of like crowd surfing this whole surfing identity thing and was able to incorporate metal with that so it, it, you know, like I say everyone uses it these these vests and the patches in different ways to give themselves an identity I would like to make scene. like a, a metal blanket like get a a large for like festivals no yeah like just a large blanket and then you just start putting patches all over the blanket and you know comforter yeah just i mean or like inside the living room yeah wouldn't that be cool maybe we should start that yeah that's that's a, that's a plan i think that's the plan i mean we've got we've got a lot of well, not a lot, but you've you've got some just kind of floating around and some old pieces like this right here was off the back of an old Devin Townsend shirt, but uh, our old roommate cut it out because it was just a really cool logo and the shirt didn't fit you anymore, which it might have fit you now, but... <laughs> time, time goes on. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's... You could put cool things like that all over the uh, blanket and... Yeah, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to find a blanket, and we're just going to start... See, we just gave ourselves a brainstorming plan. Ooh, and it'll look cool. Have you ever seen those t-shirt quilts that people do where, like, um, they... There's a company, I keep seeing it in my Facebook feed, where you can send them your old t-shirts, and then they'll make a quilt out of it. Yeah, I think I've seen those ads, too. Mm -hmm. Or something similar to that. So... 
There you go. There you go. All right. So our next black is going to be kicked off by Yatra. Now, this is a band that I got into last year with their debut album, Death Ritual. Uh, they're a stoner doom metal band out of Ocean City, Maryland. Mm. And I haven't had a chance to see them live yet, but I've talked a little bit with Maria and Mike and Dana on Facebook because they're very uh, sociable and they communicate with their fan base and whatnot. So they're very, very cool. Uh, they do have a new record out this year, which is called Blood of the Night. And the track we're going to play for is called The Howling. How fitting. Oh! Ow, motherfuckers!
Radio. Jay Nicholas, back with you on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. The podcast version. You know, I really love doing podcasts with you when I'm home. It's like... It's groovy. It is. It's like the reason... I don't know. I, um... It makes me feel like I'm home. You know what I mean? Like, every day when I'm working is like Groundhog Day. You wake up at the same time. You eat at the same time. You work the same shifts. Blah, blah, blah. When I'm home with you, every day is like a new adventure. I do have to work, and I... But, like, you know, we're home. We do the podcast. We get to go see cool things together. We spend a lot of time together. Well, and plus, you know, unlike before when it was just the radio and my blog, like you weren't able to be really be involved with that i know at one point you were trying to be involved with the blog but time kind of limits a lot of that so this kind of makes it easier right i mean obviously i do all the the leg work the heavy lifting the, yeah all the you know the, the music that's chosen and you know i do all the research i throw my two cents in well i'm, I'm talking about there. just yeah i'm just talking about as far as finding the, the playlist and but you've come up with like topics and there are pretty good ones in there and then of course the feedback that you uh, give me back and forth when we talk about works and people seem to really like it so it's it's done well at least now we can do this together because you know this is a big passion of mine uh, with the music and everything so I've been it's hard to believe I've been involved in like broadcasting since like 2005 so it's been a long time and I really enjoy like you know we've been our house is still a work in progress but we, we really are trying to make the basement, like, it's all yours. Like, you, I said, fuck it, we're not, we're, we're just making it, it's just going to be all metal and, and stickers. And the only thing I really want to do, we did put the new floor down a while, it's been a while now. But I was, you know, I was always saying, like, oh, let's, I didn't even finish ripping the wallpaper down in some spots. And I was going to do that and paint. And I'm like, no put the posters up <laughs> put stickers over top of the wallpaper that remains and that's what we're doing and like i can't wait for mdf this year because i feel like we're just gonna go sticker crazy and patch crazy and like i didn't even realize we had i know you bought some more posters but i didn't realize we had so many posters just stored away waiting for when the basement was ready and i'm like you know what We've been here 14 years. The basement is ready. Put up whatever you want. Like, that's right. just... It, you can't just wait always for it to be for it to be ready. It's awesome. You know, it was important that we ripped up that carpet and then the subsequent asbestos tiles underneath. Yeah, yeah. That was important. And the only thing I'm going to do is get new ac acoustic tiles for the ceiling and, and we're going to get a new light for the ceiling. And that's really it. Because... You, you've rearranged it the way that you want. You've got that little table over there that you started putting stickers on. You got that little sticker printer. Don't forget, you can print out stickers. Oh, I didn't and... forget. I started doing all that. I mean, just, it's coming along nicely. I've got a bunch of different posters. Like I said, I've gotten some stuff that I had sent out to Vistaprint to print out. 
some pretty cool stuff so I mean it, it's kind of long it's got some really cool things and when we have guests for MDF they're gonna be pretty impressed I mean, this isn't like Martha Stewart living. This is I, like well, I, this is my cave. So that's what I matter. said. It doesn't have to be. That's Martha. what I said. I said let's turn the basement into CBGBs. <laughs> right, and it's kind of along nicely. The guys from No Moss enjoyed it, so. And I think the only other thing too is I might get a new futon cushion because that one's kind of like sad. Mm, it's getting there. Maybe just need to be switched over. So, uh, talking about things that you're getting caught up on while you're back, uh, a few episodes back I talked about uh, Android and La La Land from Gary Newman, uh, good doc on uh, Amazon Prime. It was really good. I um, It was interesting to read about, like, or watch that he was, like, just so in his own mind and he struggled with anxiety and depression for so long and you wouldn't think you know that this this really cool guy was going through so much you know yeah you know one of the things that i found out that was surprising uh was especially back in the early days like the 80s when you know he was more popular for the pop part of it uh he apparently was getting a lot of hate mail and stuff like that, which I just, I don't understand why anybody would do that. Like, you know, it's not like he was this, like, massive, outspoken uh, political figure or, you know, crying about one thing or other. I mean, he might express some of that through music, but... I think, I, I think too, it kind of goes along with anything that's different people have hmm. an opinion on and they want to, you know, be pricks, basically. But it was very, uh, when you watch him and he talks about how, you know, he had a falling out with his parents and that's when they kind of moved to America, but like how hard that had hit him that they weren't getting along. Like, you know, he was basically cutting ties there. Obviously, I think they've kind of reworked through some of that towards the end of the doc. They but. did. They showed him seeing his parents and the, and the girls, right. his, his daughters seeing his parents and you know they were t they talked about a lot of trouble um he and his wife they tried desperately and desperately for for a baby going through IVF many times and then they got lucky and then their other two girls ha happened naturally and it was they were two miracle surprises they said i um i found it absolutely fascinating though to watch how gary would create it's not like he sat down and just like kind of made things happen or he planned out the atmosphere and the way that he wanted it to sound even before he started bringing lyrics into anything he had a very clear vision on what he wanted to do and it was just absolutely he would he would when he was writing on on the notepad, remember, and he would like draw the lines and up, down, and um, you know what I mean? Like it was like dash, dash, up, yeah. down. Yeah, it was very mathematical. Like he's like, he, yeah, it. this is how I want this to be, and this is how I want that to be, and yeah. Yeah, he's very meticulous about everything that he did with his music. I kind of get a kick, <laughs> kick out of the part where like. 
it, this was all filmed um, during the making of Splinter, uh, which was like 2013 or so, I think. And because he was in America, the guy that was producing it who worked with him was in, still in, in the UK. And they were going back and forth over the web, but when it came time to ship everything over, the hard drive that all the music was on it, something had happened. Like, similar to my experience where my hard drive just wasn't working. <laughs> so, it ended up like, you needed to try to solder something together to try to get the hard drive to work so they didn't have to, like, start from scratch because it would have been a huge tragedy for that with all the work they put in. So, the wife comes along and she's like, oh yeah, I have experience in this. And she's like, yeah, I do this all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she fixes like hard drive. It's kind of like me. Like when you told me your hard drive crashed, I'm like, oh, I just read an article about this. Here, try this. Right. So I, you know, I'm sitting there cracking it open and like, oh yeah, I see the problem. And then uh, of course I was able to use it and get the information off and then toss that fucking hard drive away. Because, you know, I mean, I, mine wasn't quite as dire as his. But you had stuff on there that... But I did have a lot, like, old replace. radio shows that I had, so a lot of that stuff would have been gone, if not for the assistance of Neko. I, I just, I found his story, Gary Newman, like, it just fascinating. He was alone. He, very choosy about his friends he would just live in his house this is at the you know his prime you know mm -hmm. his parents are like he would just be in this room and it was this, they had this giant mansion and he, i think he has well he mentions it a little bit like he's a i mentioned it back when i talked about the first time how his life and mine kind of run identical in terms of how we approach things like he is like me and there's like this social anxiety that happens and his wife is sort of like the buffer between his you know way and then trying to reach out and branch out and talk to people you're the same way you're a very bubbly personality uh when we go out even talk amongst friends or whatever you are the one that engages most people so sometimes i'll get involved with stuff sometimes i don't sometimes i just kick back and stay quiet that's just kind of how i am not at pie shop man you were <laughs> You were having a good old time. Well, I mean, I've gotten better over the years, but like... And you're comfortable with the pe those people already. And right. I also think, too, like, you are in probably one of the best mental states that you've ever been in since I've known you. You also have um, lost a lot of weight, you know, and that makes it easier for you. Like, you're healthier, you're... Um, taking better care of yourself you before i remember you couldn't even like i mean you've lost over 100 pounds so like you you couldn't even like walk a block without ne needing to sit down and take a break mm -hmm. remember we were walking from the parking lot to um that show i think it i forgot who it was i think it might have even been um one of john's bands that we were going to see before you lost weight and you uh you had to stop and like sit on on a wall for a minute because and it was literally like 0.2 miles that we were walking and you, you're just like i can't my knees my back and it was hard for you back then to like really enjoy things as much as you do now because you were standing the entire night and you mm -hmm. never would be able to do that before right um 
we would go places before and I would have to like scout out, we'd get there early so we could scout out a place for you to sit and still be able to enjoy yourself and or we would uh, go to um, like when we went to see Iron Maiden I made sure I got you an end seat at the uh, in the theater so that you would have more leg room than if you were in the middle aisle or something. So now that you've, you know, your mind is, your, your depression is gone, basically. I mean, I'm sure you do have your bad days, but, you know, we're, we're doing better financially. Your health is great. I see you kind of coming out of your shell more than maybe, like, ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of it's, like, I went through many years just dealing with different struggles and, like, within the last 10, 15 years being with you, like, things have just improved immensely. So it's, like, in some ways, and some people look at it negatively, I'm, I'm sort of reliving my childhood because this is kind of childhood I didn't ever have. <laughs> so, you know, my passion for the music and doing things that I really hadn't done when I was younger. I, would, I did go to a few concerts, obviously, but it was never... I was never as big to it and big into it back then because I just didn't have the means. So now I have the means to do this, to do this, the podcast, the radio stuff. Uh, of course, technology helps with a lot of that. But um, you know, with being with you and you know the support that you have, it just makes things so much easier and better. So, and I and I just think with Newman, you know, it's his wife, despite not being the musical artist or anything like she was like a huge fan of his for years like this is one of those interesting oh that's right because I forgot she was about actually that. she was just this huge fan that would show up for many concerts and actually they had never talked previously uh until much later after he had seen her a few times and then finally i think he asked her out but you know many cases you won't find where like an artist marries no matter if they're male or female, Mary is like a fan or super fan, and she was basically that. So, interesting story with them on that. But uh, they've been together for a very long time, very happy, got kids, and you know they seem to work off each other very well, much like you and I. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of laughing about the whole serial killer thing, where <laughs> Carrie was kind of freaking out because of the way she was wording things. And I'm just like, well, that's that's the funny part about it, because she looks at things sillier than he does. And he's like, and he gets very serious. He's right. like, what do you mean, like, a, a real serial killer? And she's like, well, you know, a real serial killer you would know, the torture good ones. you. Is there no good serial killers? <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of funny. You know? Yeah. Cute moment for them. And I love, she, she never had the same hair. She's like, pink hair, blue hair, black hair, red hair. Yeah. She just seemed like she was a very happy woman, very supportive of her husband, loved being a mother, loved, you know, loved her kids. And, you know, normally you see these documentaries about artists and you're kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's all about drugs and alcohol and, and overdosing. And this just, it just seemed like you've you got a guy who's just really working hard and has a good support system and the support of his family like when he was working he had that studio in the garage built 
and the girls would just kind of come and watch their dad work and and that, well the funny thing was like prior to this documentary is like I had rediscovered Gary like in 2000 or 2001 when I just you know I bought a magazine and had like the little CD that came with like Derek's. Oh they used to do that that's right. And so from the album Pure he had a rip on there and like I'm thinking I saw his name and I was like well is this the same Gary Newman? So I'm like playing it and of course it's much darker a little bit more gothic vibe to it and I'm like this is pretty good so I checked out the rest of that record and loved it same with uh, Jagged which came out uh, a few years later but it was interesting to me that you know Gary had said that he hadn't really caught on like those albums just weren't getting much attention and they weren't you know he thought maybe his career was done so then he moves to America when he starts using the promotion and the uh, ability to be out out in the states i guess yeah it's like it's like a new environment breathed new life into his his success right like he was able to do promotion for and i guess it just worked out much better i don't i guess in england it wasn't the same way it doesn't work the same way for him in that regard so he was able to and he was really trying to because they had said right they had said that his splinter album but the first time it broke the top 25 and like since the 1980s Mm -hmm. or whatever so like that's pretty huge i mean and that you know in his opinion that was what saved his career and he's done a couple records since then he's got a new one coming out this year i'll be excited to hear but uh it's a good documentary that people should check out for sure definitely worth it I, i liked it very much so ironically with music and and i'm gonna go in a little direction different direction here uh I really loved the soundtrack to the series Good Girls that we've been we've watched on Netflix. And did you look up uh, the soundtrack for it yet? Well, it has various soundtracks yeah. for each season, but the one song I was very curious about was from a Canadian band called uh, Board of Boards of Ca- Boards of Canada, and they're like a it's not dubstep, but just uh, almost like Chemical Brothers type thing. Yeah, they do yeah. They have these records they do and. The song was like Don Chorus is what they used in it, which was awesome. I just fucking love it. And I haven't had a chance to. I obviously went and found their page, and I'm gonna check out their music when I get a chance. But it has that very uh, Chemical Brothers vibe and Moby and stuff like that. So I was pretty into it. But of course, you know they have the other songs that they put in there as well, and some are like the old classic stuff that we've classic rock and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. Good series. It has uh, Christina Hendricks, uh, Mae Whitman, for those that don't remember or remember the name. She's from Perks of Being a Wallflower with Emma Watson. Retta from um, Parks and Recreation. Yeah, that's you knew her mm-hmm. from that. And we knew Christina because I just want to grow up and be her. Mad Men and she's just really great and fucking hot. She is hot and she is, uh, she is just her sarcastic self and she has this just sweet voice you know what i mean just this sweet kind sounding voice but you know good girls she can go from like sultry to condescending in like 2.1 seconds Mm -hmm. yeah i mean she's she's a mom of four four kids in this show and she's you 
finds out that her husband's been cheating on her multiple times and they're underwater and everything and there are three more mortgages on their house and their business is failing well that's basically what kicks everything off you got this housewife her husband cheats on her she finds out and then it's like game off and then somehow she has managed to get involved with in order to keep afloat with everything that's going on with the houses and the kids she comes up with this game with two of her best friends. Her sister, friends. her sister and her best friend. Right, and they go and rob a store that the sister works at. Now, of course, they are the worst criminals on the planet, so every time you think that maybe they're going to get away with something, something subtle happens. So, like, the sister gets recognized by the store manager, and then that just starts, like, a chain effect <laughs> that just continues on. So... Uh, and then, of course, they end up with this, the robbery taking more money than they actually came in with, and somehow they've just stumbled upon another well, issue, the money, a yeah, counterfeiting ring. Yeah, so, the money that they took belonged belong to this drug, dealer. drug lord, yeah. and they were washing the money through the grocery store. It's It's insane, and... It's really interesting because you can see how, like you said, it goes from bad to worse. And everything, like, you know, dead bodies end up places. They, the wrong dead bodies. Yeah. It's, just, oh. it's, it's such, it's, it's beautifully done. It's well acted. But it's a train wreck because you just know these girls are just digging themselves deeper. And, and then in the process of all that... They've managed to drag in their husbands as well because <laughs> they're all like indifferent, you know, they're like generally good guys except for Hendrick's husband who is really a piece of work. But you kind of feel bad for him too because there's a couple of cases where he just gets the raw end of the deal, not even intentionally, but it just happens. But yeah, so you get these nice guys who are getting dragged into this mess for one reason or the other, and it's just, again, these girls just can't book dig club. themselves. Book club, yep. We have book club. Oh, the different book club. Yeah. Oh, real book club. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's a good TV series to check out. I can't remember, was it two or three seasons? It's two, two, two seasons. seasons on Netflix. Um, it just kind of popped up in our in our. Purview, God, I couldn't get that one out. Purview. And um, I love Christina Hendricks. I wish I was her. I She's beautiful and I love her. So anything that she's in, I've seen a few like random movies and stuff that she's been in before Mad Men, but you can see like after she was in Mad Men. You can. That's where she really grew her acting chops. Because some of these are just like, I mean, I don't even remember the names of these movies that she was in. And she's, she's definitely a good actress. Uh, I dig her. I like what's going on with this series. Yeah, so. you dig her. You do her. <laughs> yeah, that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna get back to some music. Music makes the people. And we'll be back in a little while. So enjoy. Here's some brand new stuff from Clemosum.
Peter, this is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music.
Apep, Banishing of Chaos. Good stuff. DJ Neko here. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in today. No DJ Anubis here? DJ Anubis is always here. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for listening. I just get so happy when I'm home with my honey. My honey. My man. My mans. Well, so far we you're still going to be home for a little while, so that's good. Yeah, I have, um, I think, minimum three more weeks. Could be longer, but I'm trying to get out as soon as possible so I can be home for Maryland Death Fest. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it will. All right, all. Appreciate y'all following. Appreciate y'all listening and downloading. We love it. We thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show today. I enjoyed doing this very much. Thank you again. Uh, once we're done here, I'll get it posted up. And I got one last track from you. Cool, another cool record from a band called Coffin Curse. This is Feeding Our Perpetual Disgrace. See y'all later. Ciao, ciao. Oh my god. I was, you were supposed to do the Kelly Clarkson thing, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Peace.